confidence and curiosity, I began to read. This is the story that happy, active-looking old man in that pleasant place had written. Book the First, The Comet Chapter the First, Dust in the Shadows Part One I have set myself to write the story of the great change, so far as it has affected my own life and the lives of one or two people closely connected with me, primarily to please myself. Long ago in my crude, unhappy youth, I conceived the desire of writing a book. To scribble secretly and dream of authorship was one of my chief alleviations, and I read with a sympathetic envy every scrap I could get about the world of literature and the lives of literary people. It is something, even amidst this present happiness, to find leisure and opportunity to take up and partially realize these old and hopeless dreams. But that alone, in a world where so much of vivid and increasing interest presents itself to be done even by an old man, would not, I think, suffice to set me at this desk. I find some recapitulation of my past, as this will involve, is becoming necessary to my own secure mental continuity. The passage of years brings a man at last to retrospection. At seventy-two, one's youth is far more important than it was at forty, and I am out of touch with my youth. The old life seems so cut off from the new, so alien, and so unreasonable, that at times I find it bordering upon the incredible. The data have gone, the buildings and places. I stopped dead the other afternoon in my walk across the moor, where once the dismal outskirts of Swathinglea straggled toward Leet, and asked, Was it here, indeed, that I crouched among the weeds and refuse and broken crockery and loaded my revolver ready for murder? Did ever such a thing happen in my life? Was such a mood and thought and intention ever possible to me? Rather has not some queer nightmare spirit out of dreamland slipped a pseudo-memory into the records of my vanished life? There must be many alive still who have the same perplexities. And I think, too, that those who are now growing up to take our places in the great enterprise of mankind will need many such narratives as mine, for even the most partial conception of the old world of shadows that came before our day. It chances, too, that my case is fairly typical of the charge. I was caught midway in a gust of passion, and a curious accident put me for a time in the very nucleus of the new order. My memory takes me back across the interval of fifty years to a little ill-lit room with a sash window open to a starry sky, and instantly there returns to me the characteristic smell of that room, the penetrating odor of an ill-trimmed lamp burning cheap paraffin. Lighting by electricity had then been perfected for fifteen years, but still the larger portion of the world used these lamps. All this first scene will go, in my mind at least, to that olfactory accompaniment. That was the evening smell of the room. By day it had a more subtle aroma, a closeness, a peculiar sort of faint pungency that I associate, I know not why, with dust. Let me describe this room to you in detail. It was perhaps eight feet by seven in area, and rather higher than either of these dimensions. The ceiling was a plaster, cracked and bulging in places, gray with the soot of a lamp, and in one place, discolored by a system of yellow and olive-green stains caused by the percolation of damp from above. The walls were covered with dun-colored paper, 
upon which had been printed in oblique reiteration a crimson shape, something of the nature of a curly ostrich feather, or an acanthus flower that had in its less faded moments a sort of dingy gaiety. There were several big plaster-rimmed wounds in this caused by Parload's ineffectual attempts to get nails into the wall, whereby there might hang pictures. One nail had hit between two bricks and got home, and from this depended, sustained a little insecurely by frayed and knotted blind cord, Parload's hanging bookshelves, planks painted over with a treacly blue enamel, and further decorated by a fringe of pinked American cloth insecurely fixed by tacks. Below this was a little table that behaved with a mulish vindictiveness to any knee that was thrust beneath it suddenly. It was covered with a cloth whose pattern of red and black had been rendered less monotonous by the accidents of Parload's versatile ink bottle, and on it, light motif of the whole, stood and stank the lamp.